The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. This is Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardell. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. Happy New Year, my friends. Welcome to the weekend. Show about money is about to begin. I am Wolfgang Klein, Portfolio Manager. Jack Hartle, Portfolio Manager, partner of The Wolf on Bay Street. Welcome to New Year, and hey, it's a much better start. Very important. Uh, I'm I'm a big believer that uh, January often sets the tone for the remainder of the year. Uh, Recall last year, January, terrible start. And I needn't tell you how the year finished off. It was down about 20% internationally speaking. Fortunately, the Wolf and Bay Street portfolios held in very well, down about 6 or 7%. So, yeah, we don't like giving back ground. But, you know, it is part of the process. Uh, eh? Just like the uh, juniors. I love that juniors game, by the way, Jack. Um, you know, I'm not the biggest hockey follower, but I, I got caught up in the junior game, Canadian juniors. And uh, it was great. Uh, when they're up two nothing, I said, "No, this is not good. I want to see this game get tied, and then I want to see Gunther get a goal." I just, I like you called it, eh? I, I, I did. Call, somebody used to call me when I used to work in radio. They used to nickname me Gunther because it was a German name. <laughs> <laughs> he got away with it. The guy's name was Bill Cross. He was an old, uh, an old sales rep, uh, old school to booty. Hey, Gunther, how are you? But so you, you make a good point, Wolf. Last year was a terrible year across all asset classes, fixed income included, Canadian real estate. Uh, being down 6% in a year like that, no one likes to be down. Uh, but on a relative basis, you know, you held your ground. And those are the, the challenging times that you need to get through so you can participate in the recovery. He who, who loses at least in a bear market wins. Uh, and again, the more of your shekels you hang on to, then the more participation you receive when the market turns. Uh, Jack, I want you to repeat your line because you have a great line and you keep stating it uh, in terms of valuation, i.e. Uh, at these levels. What is your overall return potential versus, well, levels a year ago? Right. We're getting a lot of people right now. It's the start of a new year. What do you see for 2023? And what I'm seeing, honestly, Wolf, we don't know what the next year presents, but I can tell you that there's better value being offered now in the equity market, meaning price-to-earning ratios are lower than they were last year. Interest rates are higher, so you get more interest for buying the same bond. And in that environment, over the next 10 years, I would expect a higher percentage or higher probability of a, a positive return and a, and a favorable return. Right. Again, if you buy something well, you have a chance of making an outsized return. If you buy something poorly, it could still be a great business, but you could be really turning and spinning your wheel for a Yeah, and, and the point is you're looking at like, you know, technology companies last year were trading at, I'm going to say Microsoft, potentially trading at 50 times earnings. Very challenging to make a good return over a 10-year period of time at that valuation. Now trading 20, 25 times earnings, much better probability of you know getting that favorable outcome that you're looking for. And it is interesting to see as the year unfolds, the winning trades on a year-to-date basis. I find that very, very helpful just to try to get a sense of the tone of the market. Where is the market driving right here, right now? And again, you are seeing the tax loss candidates, the names that were most beaten up last year, uh, having the strongest footing this year. Facebook, uh, Wind Resorts, uh, Car- Carnival Cruise Lines, uh, lots of leadership. And again, they, they were, these were troubled names last year. Yeah, people were just throwing them out at the end of the year for that tax loss selling. And then, you know, they are still good companies. You talk about Facebook. That's not a junk company. It's not some, uh, you know, junior mining company up in the Arctic that, that you're buying there. They are, you know, the, one of the largest social platforms 
uh, available. So, you know, at the end of the year, people do things for, I'm going to say, not long-term investment purposes, tax loss selling being one of them. As an investor, you can look at that as an opportunity, tax loss buying. And we talked about it at the end of last year, look for opportunities when people are forced sellers. Well, we bought some Microsoft last year. That was a tax loss buy that we put on. Uh, but big tech, uh, mega caps, again, the theme for this year is sort of stay away. That still has to see its trade unwind. Um, but as, as a trade unwinds, another trade picks up some steam. Uh, and again, that's all part of money rotating. So uh, January will be an interesting month. We're off to a good start. We are seeing some rotation, as indicated, into some cyclical names. Uh, you know, the staples that were the trade last year, they don't seem to be having any wind. The reopening trade continues to unfold. Travel stocks looking quite, quite healthy. Uh, banks not bad. Industrials looking good. Materials looking good. Energy seems to have follow through. That's interesting. But, you know, let's get JJ on the line. Uh, John Johnston, uh, who is sitting in the green room, uh, waiting to come on uh, the airways of Hi-Fi Radio. Uh he is an advisor now uh, to Davis Ray. Formerly, he was their chief strategist. I used to work with him at one of the big six banks here on Bay Street. Many, uh, a frequent guest, I shall say, on Hi-Fi Radio. Very, very smart man. But, JJ, what I respect about you, and I, I respect a lot of different things about you, including your taste in music, uh, with the exception of the dead, uh, not for this moment in time here. <laughs> but um, the fact that you continue to remain engaged uh, and, you know, uh, provide value to society with your knowledge and wares, uh, just on a lesser basis. So how's that working out for you? Oh, it's great. I love it. Uh, it's been, I'm coming up to the end of my fourth year of this uh, semi-retired life and uh, basically working one third time. Um, and so, um, it keeps me engaged and that's really, for me, that's really important. I could get self-absorbed in things and just kind of drift off and not get, not be overly stimulated. So that it, I really enjoy it. I like, I, and, and at the same time, um, you know, I've been thinking about and working on this stuff long before I went to Bay street when I was in grad school, uh, doing research and I actually thought of becoming an academic, but then I didn't like the life. I liked the life on Bay street and, uh, I, I like the engagement. Like I can fill my time up uh, easily, but I can't necessarily fill it up constructively. And uh, the ability to to be con constructive, be engaged, uh, and be able to converse with all my friends on Bay Street who I don't even work with anymore, but you know we hang out a lot, is uh, it's great, and I, I I'm so enjoying it, and uh, I, I hope I can do it indefinitely. And one of the things that um, I, I find with a lot of people, including in my own social circles, is finding a way to exit uh, and try to do it on your own terms. I know a number of friends, for them, it's you're either all in or all out, and there's uh, no happy medium. And I guess it's because of my background and my role on the research side and the advisory side is that uh, I've been able to scale it in and out, um, particularly scaling it out uh, much more easily. Well, but again, the financial markets are uh, all-encompassing. Truly, everything is on the table for discussion. Uh, geopolitics, risk, war, commodities, technology, staples, hostess potato chips, uh, everything in between. It, truly. Uh, and, of course, uh, what's new? New themes, of course, uh, uh, rear their uh, heads early on Bay and Wall Street. And, and, and new is exciting. And there's a lot of newness uh, I think that's going to unfold this decade. Uh, you know, electric vehicles, um, a, a greener, a greener mindset. This ESG continuing to uh, 
attract a lot of attention. Again, that's environmental social governance. Uh, but I, I am very, very excited about the electrification of uh, the universe uh, because it's just ground. It's just a ground for for for, for opportunity uh, extraordinaire. And you can see money's already flowing there this year. You mentioned the themes that were starting to percolate. Uh, the Inflation Reduction Act. We talked about that in the past year and the fact is there's a lot of government money being committed to going green and you're talking about hydrogen you're talking about solar uh you're talking about wind all of those energy sources you know really have not been economical over the last i'm gonna say 15 years not ever yeah yeah but there well, there you go but but they are starting to you know compete with you know traditional fossil fuels you know it's interesting i mentioned to you uh, off air jack that i'm i'm just completed with my wife watching a series called the neck uh, it's about uh, the, the operating of a hospital in uh, 1898 to 1903, 1904. Uh, everything was completely experimental. And it, it, it's, it's a good reminder of how, how fortunate you are, we are, uh, I am, uh, to be living in this time as opposed to uh, that time. Uh, Absolutely. From, from, you know, I just went to my dentist and realized I have two little cavities. Uh, no problem fixing those cavities today. Back, back in the Nick, one person had some, uh, a, a mental disorder um, and they pulled her teeth out. Uh, figured that was part of the problem and taking the teeth out didn't work. They pulled up the, uh, the, the spleen. Uh, this experimental silliness. But that's how we got to, I guess, where we are today. Uh, purpose of the Nick, reason I mentioned the Nick, back in 1900, the automobile was in fact dual. There, there was an electric vehicle was as dominant as a combustible engine. Electric cars in 1900. Uh, so it's amazing how it, it ended up on the shelf and 100 years later, uh, it is all the rage and uh, while well, you're seeing some significant traction around EVs. Uh, I do digress, but uh, JJ, look, it's going to be an incredible year. Uh, third year of a presidential cycle. I always like to look at a balance sheet in life, pros and cons of anything and everything. I learned that back in my sales skill when you're dealing with a, a client. Well, look, you know, what's the pros of doing business with me? And what are the cons of doing business with me? Obviously, there's no cons working with me. It's all pros. <laughs> um, but truly, in life, there's pros and cons to everything. So when you look at the equity market, this is I'm going to steal from Bespoke right now, some research that Jack and I pay a lot of money for. Might as well share it with you. Uh, peak inflation, probably on the table. Gasoline prices, rolling over. U.S. dollar, rolling over. That's good for the multinationals. Earnings. Holding in surprisingly well. Bonds, probably a better year in front of them with interest rates perhaps peaking and rolling over. The technicals in terms of breadth looking better. Investor sentiment negative, which is in fact a positive. International markets, they're waking up significantly. We're seeing the, the uh, European Union uh, get some steam. You're seeing emerging markets get some steam at the expense, I think, of the American market. Uh, the election cycle, third year, best year for the markets. Seasonally speaking, we're in it right now, the strong season. Market bombed out, as they say. Call it washed out. Yeah, last year was a tough year. Uh, and buy and hold, well, it does work over time. So there is a lot of reasons to be upbeat, JJ. Uh, do you want to try to work on the con side of things for us? Um, I'll give you about 30 seconds now. Go, go to break and come back to it. Okay. i got a word in edgewise now, right? Yeah, of course. I'll, I'll throw it back to you, my friend. We're going to get back to JJ. Uh, take a quick break. Hi-Fi Radio, 640 in Toronto. Uh, new year, new beginnings. Uh, we're just getting revved up. Stay tuned. Let's take a break. Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. 
Welcome back to the show, Hi-Fi Radio, Buy and Hold. Sounds boring, but when you play that song to it, it doesn't, eh? Indeed, JJ, John Johnston, joining us, Jack Hartle, of course, by my side. New year, new beginnings. I laid up, or laid out the pros for the market for the year. Uh, JJ, uh, you know, being a strategist and advisor, uh, he's going to help us with the cons. So what's uh, so bad out there, JJ, uh, and can we deal with it and get through it? Well, we can get through anything. Listen, the fact that we're still standing after the last, well, since 2006, uh, tells me that you know we're, everybody is pretty resilient and we'll get through things. Um, so I have no worries there. So there's no cons for me on that front. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am... Um, I concur with the points that you and Jack made early in the uh, your discussion um, while I was listening quietly. I, um, Thank you. About the price being price paid is an important contributor to returns. And I, what I learned, uh, pardon me, I've still got a little bit of uh, uh, cold related to COVID, so pardon me if I have to clear my throat a bit. The um, we, we, we have a phlegm button in the studio. Don't worry about it. Okay. The... Um, I remember reading a, an article by Jack Bogle, the guy from Vanguard Funds, huh. uh, in the Financial Analyst Journal, and he said he had a great equation model for determining long-term returns: uh, the current dividend yield, uh, the long-term growth rate and earnings, plus uh, a change in the price-earnings ratio. So the dividend yield is apparent. So dividend yields have gone up over the last year, which has increased the long-term return, which is great. Uh, long-term earnings um, really don't change that much, and they're probably, and I think that they're the same now as they were a year ago. So something in the five to six percent range for a broad uh, global market portfolio. Um, so you, you take a dividend yield, which is probably north, of, a little north of two and a half. You add five to six. Uh, so before you even think about what price you paid, you're up, to, you know, seven percent plus in terms of return. Now. Um, the price paid comes in, you know, stocks got beaten down last year. Uh, a whole range of valuation metrics, price earnings, price book, you know, various things like that. Price of sales. Yeah, all that stuff is down. Uh, and which means that in the longer term, uh, the adjustment in valuations is more likely to be upward from current levels than down, which adds a tailwind to your expected return. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's... so. You know, the idea of buying stocks right now, to me, is a good long-term investment. Is it a good one-year investment? Well, you know, those relationships are very weak in the short run. They work over periods of five to ten years, or even in in the case I think we're looking at now, certainly three to five years. The the two things that, well, I think the, the main thing I'm struggling with in terms of con is that a number of the leading indicators that I found to be quite reliable over time are pointing towards an economic contraction or a recession in the global U.S. and Canadian economies Mm -hmm. uh, in 2023. And one of the things that seems to hold over time is that stock markets don't bottom before a recession. 
they they maybe they will this time. It would be the exception rather than the rule. But usually they bought them after the recession has been running a little ways. Yeah. Uh, when you're starting, when all the things that triggered the recession have are starting to go away, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, the, that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and you're, and and we're quite comfortable. It's not an oncoming train. Uh, so I think it's a bit early yet, you know, to call for a straight upward line in markets. Um, I think it's possible that it is, but I'm, I'm a little concerned about that. And um, one of the things, too, uh, that research shows is that uh, when central banks as a group globally move in the same direction it, and they have coordinated rate increases, uh, it tends to have a more magnified effect to the downside, Hmm. Very, very um, interesting point. And the, um, also the fact that the U.S. dollar has been rising basically since 2011 has caused a global tightening in financial conditions because of the U.S. dollar's position at the center of the global financial system. You know, it's going to be a long time before we phase away the U.S. dollar in, the, uh, in its use in the bulk of global trading and goods, services, and uh, financial assets, uh, but it's there now. So we've had a pretty significant tightening. So I, I think economically, uh, it could be quite a bumpy year uh, mm-hmm. in, in 2023, this year. Economically. Uh, yeah, and you know, I think that I, I look at the market now, and I think the same things you do. Gee, things are looking pretty good here. Uh, if there's no recession and inflation keeps edging down, we could have a screamer of a year consistent with that third year of the presidential cycle and the coming out of a four-year cycle trough, as, as I'm sure Javid will talk about. Yeah. But at the same time, um, you know, I look at the way the leading indicators have behaved, and they said that uh, as we get moved towards the middle of the year, we could have a, you know, a decent recession. Maybe not incredibly bad in the U.S. because there's not a lot of imbalances in the U.S. economy. But I think when we look at the global and Canadian economies, there's a lot more imbalances and it could be quite a bit rougher. So I'm kind of thinking 1990-92 global recession was pretty rough. It was really bad in Canada, mild in the U.S. Yeah. Um, So that's kind of the, the framework I'm thinking about. So. You know, if you think about the seasonal pattern, you know, the sell in May and go away may be a bit rough this year. Yeah. That we may have some volatility in the middle of the year. Uh, you know, I'm not, you know, looking at stuff that was purchased uh, in the last four or five months, you know, I wouldn't be panicking and selling it because I think another low just means you want to make sure you have more money to buy stuff with. Do we make another low, JJ? And my other question is I know Jack is going to get in here as well, um, but economic recession. I think that's baked into the cake. Earnings recession, so far, not convinced that's going to happen. Uh, can you speak to those few points, please? And then Jack's going to come over to you. I don't. I, I kind of get a sense that, you know, I would think if a recession was baked in the cake, ten-year uh, yields would be lower than they are now. Uh, and I think that um, one of the things to keep in mind is that earnings. Like, like broad corporate profits in the economy, tend to be a coincident indicator. And coincident indicators peak on the eve of a recession. Interesting. Uh, and also, once again, from the financial analyst journal, so this is not written by an economist, this is written by some CFA type, who has indicated that uh, earnings analysts, like equity analysts have a poor track record of picking up the macro cycle. Mm-hmm. And they tend to be late, uh, and they do a worse job than economists in forecasting profits. Mm-hmm. 
so I think that there's a, there's an adjustment coming uh, in corporate profits in the U.S. and Canada and globally. And uh, so you are your your you are expecting an earnings recession then? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. And, ja- you know, sorry, so you're, you're, start, you're starting to see analysts are starting to guide down as well, and they're looking for revisions in the first and second quarter as these companies, I'm going to say, are resetting the deck for the next cycle because they want to reset the deck low so they can beat and raise going forwards. And, and when, when, and when you, you have a challenging environment. When else would you rather do it? It gives what, them an opportunity. Yeah. It's almost like a free pass. What Jack's yeah. talking about, friends at home, is uh, companies, after they report their earnings, they have to guide the street, as we like to call it, as to what the company expects to do next quarter and also for its full fiscal year. And so if companies start to say, well, we're getting a little concerned about next quarter, that means that they're going to guide the street down. And again, what they mean, what we mean by that is guide the analysts who write, who write the reports about these companies, have them temper their enthusiasm as well. And all of that seems to have a self-fulfilling downward pressure on the names. Uh, the question is, where are we in that cycle? Well, and I, 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 it's I, coming up. And you know I, what? I the, the, banks, the banks are, are notorious, right? Loan loss provisions. How much provisions are they going to have for non-performing loans? You're going to see it this quarter. They're going to be very exceptionally high. Yep. And as we move through the year, I think it may be not quite as bad as they expect. But they yep. want to have those provisions in place, which hits their near-term earnings. Interesting. Interesting. Um, JJ, so, uh, so, go, please go, go ahead. On, yep. I, I want to, uh, you know... I heard a presentation the other night, and uh, uh, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about, you know, specific companies. But, you know, the banks in Canada have huge loan books. And even if they increase their loan losses significantly from current levels, they're only covering, you know, a small percentage of those loans. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we think of an economy that goes into any business, household, or economy, or, you know, financial institution – uh, that goes into an economic contraction, and you always get a bit of a blowout in financial conditions. You know, you get a lot of weakness in financial assets once the thing starts. It's not long-term weakness, but it, it, it's problematic. Uh, you can get, you can end up with problems. And Canada is one of those economies that's financially vulnerable, has a lot of imbalances in the system. And you know, it, it's that suggests like. I think about my basic core principles. I'm worried about a recession because all the indicators that I trust point towards recession. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to reconcile that with the behavior of the market. You know, are we going to see a new low in the equity market? Maybe not. Maybe we only go back to 3,600, but it's down 10 to 15, maybe 15% from current levels. You know, that would be reasonable to me. Uh, and as an investor, I like that because it's just more better prices for me as a buyer. So if you have some um, cash, you'd hang on to your cash, I guess, at this level, JJ? Yeah, because um, the market, you know, depends on how much you have, right? Like, yeah. you know, timing the market is always difficult. You know, the key thing is to buy when the time is right. And, you know, kind of a program of buying seems to be the best. It works because it, it, it takes it out of your hands. It just says, I'm going to do this. This is my plan and, and execute. Have a plan and, and that, execute the plan. And that yeah. usually works. As soon as you throw the plan out, you get you start panicking. Emotions get into place, blah, blah, blah. So, but anyways, as far as Canada goes... It's kind of one of those economies. It's not systemically important globally, but you know, there's a lot of things in Canada that could go wrong. And when you talk about avoiding losses, um, you know, the best way to make a good long-term return is make average returns and, and minimize losses and buy at the right levels. Buy stuff when it's cheap. Then you've got a great long-term portfolio, and it's going to do great. I just worry that there's risks in Canada. Do I worry about bank solvency in Canada, like balance sheet problems, like that we saw in the U.S. in 2007-8? No. 
Uh, could we have a big income statement hit on the Canadian banks? Uh, yeah, like could we see a five billion dollar, some five billion dollar uh, write downs or loan loss reserves coming into place that really whack things? And and you have a p- period of prolonged weakness in asset growth and earnings growth, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe dividends don't keep going up, and maybe even in the in the worst case scenario, they get trimmed a little bit. So I, I'm just I, I see risks in Canada. Uh, that tell me to be more careful about them. Uh, I, I see less issues for U.S. banks. I see more issues for Canadian banks. I look at, you know, Canada has a, you know, private sector debt loads, household debt above 100% of GDP, corporate debt above 100% of GDP. Now we have government debt, you know, around 100% of GDP. Other countries have government debt problems. Other countries have some corporate debt problems. Outside of Canada and a few other small nations, there's not a lot of countries with household debt problems. And, so once again, it's not a global systemic issue. It's certainly not an American issue, but it's a it's a potential problem in a lot of smaller economies like Sweden, Norway, uh, the Netherlands, and a few uh, like smaller countries in Europe and Canada and Australia, New Zealand. Wow, that's a uh, that's a mouthful, JJ. You know, I have to continue to look at the Canadian banks. Um, and in terms of valuations, perhaps that is why they're trading. I think at the lower end of their range because of the market perceived risk. And I spoke to a fellow from Morgan Stanley, and he said, you know, Wall Street has been betting against the Canadian banks um, uh, for the last 20 years with obviously very little um, success. But I want to talk about the commodity markets. That's still 20% of the Canadian publicly traded market. Uh, What's your call for commodities this year, JJ? And we have about 30 seconds. I'm going to go to break, bring it back. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Commodities follow the economic cycle. Uh, I think, you know, I think it's for me, it's a high probability forecast. Uh, and I'm commi- I have to follow my discipline on this tells me we're going into recession, commodities are going to come down, and then they'll be recovering later into the year and into next year. So I'm kind of biased downward on commodities, even Mm. if we're in the early stages of a structural change where commodities are on a longer-term rising path, and I don't know that I'm fully there yet. Well, they're cyclical, and they can can rise in a cyclical fashion, so I would not be surprised. But I'm seeing strength in the charts. I'm seeing strength on the tape in the commodity space, and, and, and crude, uh, I won't say much to my chagrin. I guess I will. I guess I just did. Um, crude continues to have follow through. That's interesting. Uh, look, let's take a quick break. Get back to John Johnston, uh, Davis Ray advisor to uh, good friend of mine, uh, talented uh, Bay Street veteran. Great guy overall. John Johnson going to join us in the next hit. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. There's more Hi-Fi Radio in a moment on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Dallas, got a soft machine. Houston, too close to New Orleans. New York, got the ways and means and just JJ, is that a little honky tonk? Would you call that bit of honky tonk going on there with your Grateful Dead? Yeah, a little. That was during a period when they were getting away from the psychedelics back towards Americana, uh, which they started in late '69. And in 1970, they released their two kind of landmark Americana albums, "Working Man's Dead" and "American Beauty," which brought them into the kind of to the attention of the mainstream, but not into the mainstream. 
Yeah, I, I just have a sweet home Alabama when you said the word American in my mind, followed by a little cat scratch fever. They were kind of Jerry Garcia at the time was doing a lot of work with uh, David Crosby and company on Crosby's solo album, If Only I Could Remember My Name. Uh, and he, they were really taken by the harmonies uh, that you know, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young used. Oh, they were wonderful harmonies. It had an impact. And in, in many ways, when you go back to the really psychedelic trench stuff uh, and you listen to the words, the, the words are strongly kind of Americana. It was the context they were put in that wasn't. And then they just changed the context. Cool stuff. You know, it, it, we, we should actually do a segment with you on music in the music industry. Uh, Justin Bieber um, just sold his royalties, his music rights, to a company Jack and I had a big stake and made a lot of money with and sold the position very, very well. And that company's called Blackstone. Blackstone is a private equity company. Uh, BX is the symbol, trades on New York. The smartest man on Wall Street worked at that company. Unfortunately, with rising interest rates, the company's out of favor. But uh, they, they obviously see something in Bieber. And to pay 200, I think it was 250 million US, uh, call Chris Sizem up. He's going to come on our show uh, in a few weeks, Jack. He has a little music royalty business himself. But he said, well, that's nothing. Well, if Springsteen just sold his rights back to Sony for $500 million. JJ. JJ, buddy, we're in the wrong business, man. Yeah, people want people want income streams and you know long <laughs> long asset income streams. Certainly the, truth, the eh? market has been so crappy. Like the boss is no different than you and I. No. He wants income. Right? And he's retired. What did well, I went it, to the I went to the Elton John show, the, his final, his true final show. I kid you not, there was an advertisement prior to the show beginning of insured annuities and elton was endorsing insured annuities you think about that elton john endorsed like i see him on his little scooter doing doing his uh, skip the dishes thing that's one thing playing around but to be endorsing insured, like what happened to your crowd your, your audience I mean, we got older what yeah. happens things change follow the baby boomer i don't know uh, the woodstock generation uh, really did a 180 and became very different from what they were preaching in uh, August of 1969. Isn't that the case? Eh? They became ultra-conservative and uh, very, well... Uh, and, and are probably responsible for a lot of the ills in our society now. Uh, yeah, I guess you're right, my good friend. I'm not going to debate that puppy with you. Uh, but you know something? Uh, out of it is coming some change. Uh, again, we're talking about the electric vehicles. We're talking about a greener city, a greener world. Um, where does all that fit into your strategy, JJ? And, and, and how relevant do you think it is? Because uh, they're talking about potential multi-trillion dollar spends on decarbonizing the planet. Does that excite you? Yeah, it does. Listen, I've been driving a hybrid car for 16 years. I've been thinking yeah. when I kind of went from being uh, a foreign exchange fixed income uh, economist strategist and moved over to the the buy side, uh, you know, with our friends at the Harbor Group back in the day. Yep. The um, I had to learn a lot about equities, and that's kind of one of the things I got into learning about the energy sector because it was I was really bullish on commodities then, and I was really bullish on the Canadian dollar, so I needed to learn a lot about that. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, and so I, you know, in 2007, I needed a new car. I always wanted something nice, so instead of a BMW, I bought a Toyota Camry Hybrid, which I'm still driving. I'm really keen on them. Uh, I guess, you know, and I think we are moving towards a decarbonized society. Uh, you know, the key thing is to get rid of coal. 
that's the really bad thing. <laughs> you know, uh, sorry, I'm going to interrupt. That was one of the best performing asset classes last year was coal. Peabody Energy, top of my list in terms of, I don't own the stock, never did, but it hit the ball out of the park. But that's a good point, Wolf. For part of the transition, you need traditional fossil fuels. There's going to be profits Correct. made on both sides of the trade. Traditional fossil, uh, whether it's coal, oil, nat gas, a little cleaner, and going green. But JJ, can we get off coal? And, and people have to we have to remind ourselves that as we EV, we're burning coal. It just may not be in your backyard, but coal is being burnt to electrify the grid. True or oh, false? Uh, true, not in North America. Correct, but uh, in, in, in other parts, and it's in places where solar uh, will work better. Um, so I, going back, I'm very excited. The, 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 it is going to take longer to transition. Uh, I think. What governments want are big, large-scale production facilities to put people to work, but a lot of it's going to be micro-oriented. Uh, you know, one of the things that I take, I'm quite excited about is a lot of these big mining operations with those huge trucks are putting in hydrogen facilities because each of those trucks, can, they can save a million liters of fuel on each of those trucks wow. per year if they can run them on hydrogen. And it's almost, and they're looking at, you know, building small nuclear reactors to create the hydrogen. A million liters a year? That, that's per, what I per, see. Per, well, sorry, per truck? Yeah. Really? Well, I, it's funny, I was just out in, in Banff and I saw an open pit mine as you're driving up the Trans-Canada. Uh, yeah. Anyways. Uh, sorry, Jack, you want to quick I say, Yeah, JJ's point. Decentralized power and I think nuclear is going to play a bigger part in it than people realize. Yeah, yeah well, they got those, these portable reactors now as well. Uh, we're out of time with JJ. Uh, Happy New Year, my dear friend. Uh, please get, come on down. Check out the new offices at Canaccord uh, over on Temperance Street and I'll take you out for a nice lunch and, uh, well, we can sit down face-to-face and maybe trade cassettes. Uh, sure. Why, <laughs> why not? <laughs> Going to speak with Javit uh, Mirza. He is our chief technician at uh, CG Wealth. Uh, get his perspective on the year, and he's also well, J- JJ knows him uh, yeah, very well I'm as well. Yeah, I'm a huge I'm a huge Javed fan. People should pay attention to what he says. He's amazing. Well, well thanks for the shout out. That's very kind of you, JJ. Uh, we'll speak to you very soon, my good friends. We're going to take a quick break. Get right back to Hi-Fi Radio right here on 640 in Toronto. Right after these sponsors' messages. Want to make more money? Stay tuned. For more Hi-Fi Radio on 640 Toronto. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Little Stevie Wonder, Jeff Beck on the axe, as us guitar players like to say. God rest his soul. Another great one has gone to, well, the, uh, shall I say, happy forum in the sky. Jeff Beck, prolific, prolific uh, musician, uh, underrated, um, underpaid as well. Uh, a member of the Yardbirds, uh, worked with Elton John, actually uh, asked Elton to tour with him. Uh, Elton would be his, I guess, singer and pianist, and it would be the Jeff Beck band. Elton said, no, I'm going to go on my own. Played with Jimmy Page and the Yardbirds. Uh, you, you read up on Jeff Beck, is incredible. Uh, uh, the talent and, uh, and the broad, broad-reachingness broad of his uh, work. But uh, really did uh, underperform from a you know, rock star point of view. Everyone knows his name, but he didn't make nearly the money the likes of Springsteen did, or I'm sure Bieber made a lot more money than Jeff Beck did. 
Um, and he said, you know something, I'm good with that. In fact, once you make such success, it's actually an awful place to be. He said, you know, being a rock star is not a lot of fun from his perspective. Maybe he was jealous, I don't know. Uh, but nonetheless, an amazing guitar player. Javid, uh, joining us. He is our chief technician at CG Wealth. Uh, Happy New Year to you, my friend. Got about eight minutes to talk the charts, uh, talk themes. Um, cyclical tends to be about a three to five year window. Secular, I'm throwing these two words out, friends. Secular tends to be about a 10 to 20 year window. Uh, ever since we've had Javid on the air, uh, we have been in, engaged in what was called a secular bull market, uh, where the market has about 10, 15, 20 years of running room in front of it with some cyclical corrections along the way. Uh, during the uh, COVID crash, uh, Javid was concerned that the secular bull market was being challenged and it may have come to an end. But uh, again, he never put the full verdict out on that because the market was, you know, giving him some mixed signals. So I want to ask you to open Javit. Are we still in a secular bull market that has about eight, nine years left to run in it? Or are we now in a secular bear market where the market goes sideways for the next 10 years? Well, great question, Wolf. Thanks for having me on and Happy New Year. So right now, uh, you know, our work suggests we remain in the secular bull. Okay. Uh, one of the big things we're watching for is ongoing strength in commodities, because if we do continue to see that, that's been the trademark of the last couple of secular bear markets and equities it has been this strong period of uh, strength in commodities. So that's one of the key drivers we're watching for as well. We're seeing. So, this- yeah, so let me stop you right there, because JJ, who's a big fan of yours and used to work with him, obviously, yeah. um, uh, he, he's not terribly keen on commodities. Uh, and again, if we have friends, you have to remember back in 2000 when tech wrecked. We were in a, the U.S. market went into a secular bear market and ran for about 10 years where the market went nowhere for 10 years, but commodities rocketed and so therefore did Canada. Uh, so JJ thinks commodities are going to be challenged this year because the economy is going to slow down this year. What's your view on commodities? And then Jack's going to pipe in here. Yeah, so from what we're seeing, we like uh, you know materials better than energy. I'm cautious on energy. Mm-hmm. So in terms of that equation, prefer materials uh you mean copper energy. nickel copper nickel i like gold and silver as well so everything that kind of you know the stuff that hurts when you drop it on your foot what about two so by fours that, lumber you like lumber i i do um it's trying to bottom here so but i do like the setup especially um if we are in where we think we are in the market cycle so to us those areas in the market right now remain quite constructive and that's what we've been recommending clients add uh, exposure to here since October. So materials, but not energy. Correct. Yeah. Jack? Yeah, I just wanted to add there. So I think what JJ was talking about, our last guest, was the fact that based on his indicators and based on the fundamental indicators that we're seeing with our strategists, there's going to be a recession in 2023. Materials typically follow uh, or weak going into recession, and then they recover coming out. Um, that's a cyclical point of view. Secular point of view if you expect higher for longer uh, interest rates, higher for longer inflation, I would expect commodities to actually do quite well in that environment. Yeah, that's your that's your new acronym, uh, Javid, HFL. Yeah. I had to go through your work. What in the world is this HFL? Uh, yes, higher for longer in terms of yeah. inflation and interest rates. So how does that play into everything, Javid? So back in October, when the world was ending part one, uh, <laughs> you, you were telling clients that, hey, look, 
we think that this new cycle is taking hold, which we call higher for longer. And a variety of the indicators we we're looking at suggested that that's kind of the areas of the market that you should be focused on, which our work was picking up as industrials, financials, and materials. And one of the things that's quite interesting is, and I've talked to a couple of institutional and retail guys about this, uh, or uh, clients or accounts, and people have been asking about China and the ramifications here on China, and what we've actually been telling them is, Hmm. I think China is not the focus here. I think the focus should be Latin America. So that's some really strong, compelling areas of the market. And obviously those are correlated with uh, materials plays as well. But there's always a bull market somewhere. And that's what everyone listening to this call has to realize. So the key is to just figure out where that bull market is. So we're seeing that bull market not only developing here in Latin America, but in those areas of the markets we talked about. So uh, financials, materials, and industrials. How, what would you comment on gold in that environment as well? Because uh, Latin America, I'm going to say weaker U.S. dollar. Dollars seem to have peaked with interest rates. Um, how does gold fit into the, uh, the equation here? So we really, really like gold here. It's one of our top themes or ideas for this year. And what we're highlighting, a couple of things. First of all, commercial hedgers, also known as the smart money. They're pretty long gold here. And if gold can break out above the recent highs, call it around 2000, then our next, our technical work suggests the up, next upside technical target is around 2,600. Now, all of this is going to be pretty positive for Canada, and we're seeing signs of that because we're seeing signs that Canada is beginning to, well, when I say Canada, the TSX composite is beginning to outperform the S&P 500. Now, obviously, a lot of headwinds in terms of economics, but from our work, we're seeing that uh, a big shift. And if you, uh, you know, listeners who have been following us for a while here on Wolf's show have noted that last year our call was to stay away from the Goliaths, which we called uh, our, that was our name for big tech. And so those uh, areas of the market have just been really, really under pressure. And that's kind of brought the indexes down as well. But underneath the surface, we're seeing this rotation. But we do think big tech is going to, likely be at least an underperformer for this year and likely into next year. Yeah. Well, we're certainly seeing strength in travel stocks in, in, in our short-term momentum work. Uh, Jack and I have been running some different screens just to, to, to see what is really working this year. And you're seeing a lot of the U.S. tax loss uh, trades, including Facebook, Meta, that's ha- having a good pop. But the, the casino stocks, the airline stocks, the uh, uh, cruise line stocks, they have some early momentum uh, under their belt right now. We'll see, of course, if that carries through on the year. Uh, friends, just stay tuned to the show each and every Saturday. Hi-Fi Radio, show about money. Jack and I, of course, with our boots on Bay Street each and every day, uh, trying to scope out the risks and rewards and, well, uh, help our clients navigate through challenging times. And, well, if you look at our website, WolfgangKlein.com, I think you'll agree we've done very, very well. Uh, you'd have to say, Jack, I'm looking at our 10-year returns, net of fees, 11%. Not bad. Friends, anytime you give us a call. Javit, a partner of ours, uh, my friend, we're going to have a lot of fun this year. And uh, I know you're going to help us navigate the choppiness that comes our way and take advantage of the opportunities as well. And for that, my friend, I want to say thank you in advance. Javit, Mirza, technician at CG Wealth Management. Happy New Year to you. Friends at home, keep it locked on 640 each and every Saturday, 7 to 8. 
Jack and I will be by your side. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hardell, Portfolio Managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any questions about money, email wolfandjack at wolfgangkline.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. Join us again next week. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.